We've seen your hands all over this church. We've seen you at work, Father, and we are so thankful we get to come alongside you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know that moment when you pick up the podium and you forget how heavy it is? It's like, I'm just going to one-arm this thing. I should have listened to you, Mark, earlier. I should have put it up there. Um, anyways, y'all, like, God is, God is so good on so many different levels. Like, as we were just worshiping as a church, I was just reflecting on all the wins we've seen this year, whether it was with budget or seeing people come to know Christ and seeing growth and discipleship happen among the body. And it is truly a beautiful thing how God has worked in 2017. And I'm hopeful for, for what is going to happen in 2018. Um, and by the way, this week, I don't know if any of y'all wrote the date yet, 2018 is way easier to write than 17. It just like flowed off the paper. Like it was beautiful. Like it got me so excited. My OCD self, like writing 2018 was such a beautiful thing. And that was much more funny in my head than it was to y'all. Self-deprecating humor is the best kind of humor. Um, but anyways, um, I got to ring in 2018 in a unique way. Um, Mark alluded to this earlier, but uh, the first through the third, I was with a, a van load of college students, and we were at the Passion Conference, which is, yeah, James is still excited. And uh, anyways, we got to ring in the new year with about 50,000 college students across three locations, and so there was about 30,000 in Phillips Arena there in Atlanta, there was about another 10 to 15 in Gwinnett, and then another 10 to 15 in D.C., and it was a beautiful time together um, as, as students, and you know, as from seeing people from 18 to age 25 worship and be challenged by God's Word, and uh, not only be challenged by God's Word, but respond, respond in worship, respond in giving, we had the joy of seeing uh, over 3,500 children living in poverty be released from poverty through child sponsorships in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, There was over $300,000 given to refugees in Miramar, um, which is a very, uh, very tumultuous situation with an unreached people group in Miramar being persecuted. And uh, another $100,000 was given so that Bibles could be dropped into... uh, North Korea via balloons. Talk about crazy. Like, I want that job. These balloons that go filled with gospel tracts and with scripture in their heart language go up and they hit the, the atmosphere and they pop and they rain down God's word like on the people. Like, that's crazy right there. Like, God can do some incredible things. And so I was a part of, of these students giving sacrificially to the kingdom of God. You know, most college students don't have $40 in their checking account that isn't their parents. And uh, it was cool to watch college students be challenged by God's word. And their response wasn't, their response just wasn't in song. It was a response with open hands and open hearts. And that is one of the beautiful things that we've been able to see here at Mandarin in 2017 is this concept of open hands and open hearts for the glory of God. And as we went through Passion, um, I filled up multiple pages, just like any concert, where, or not any concert, any like conference you go to where you, you're challenged by God's Word, fill up notebooks. And uh, over the past couple of days, uh, I've been kind of debriefing. Lauren and I have just been talking about things that we're processing. Is this better? 
Am I stepping on something? My, my, I know it's my mic. I just don't know what I'm doing. If I'm doing something, I, instructions will be good. Am I doing? Am I touching something? Awesome. Okay. We're gonna try and make this happen. Awesome. Cool. Uh, so, anyways, this concept of of God's glory is what struck me, and it's been something I've personally been ref, re, wrestling with uh, over the past couple of of weeks. And I read. I've been rereading a book that I read in seminary. Um, about you know God's glory in the church and how the church's aim is to bring glory to God uh, as a body of believers and uh, this idea of God's glory and the question is is whose glory matters most whose glory matters most and I wrote this as a central theme for myself as I was listening to many of these speakers talk and just something I've been wrestling with personally is is whose glory is my life going to be about. And I think as we venture into 2018 as a church, as we've celebrated what God's done, and as we sing the song, Do It Again, as we sing of God's faithfulness, like, whose glory is 2018 going to be about? Is it going to be about mine, or is it going to be about King Jesus' glory? And so, um, if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew 5. And in Matthew 5, uh, it's, it's a common passage of Scripture that many of y'all have read before. We're going to focus on one verse um, in Matthew 5, and uh, it's going to be verse 16. And the previous verses before this uh, are talking about you know, how believers, the church, are to be salt and light in this world. We are to be salt and life, pointing to and for Jesus. Uh, and our works and our actions should be pointing to who Jesus is. And uh, in verse 16, J- Jesus concludes this statement with this verse that has gripped my heart. It says, it's in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that you may see your good works, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What a completely countercultural and counter just logical statement that Jesus just made here, and that our works aren't supposed to, to make us look good. The things that we do aren't for us to be put on a pedestal, but our, our works, the things we do, the actions we take, are to give God the glory. So who gets the glory? God does. Our aim, our goal, our hope as believers in Jesus Christ is that that God would gain all glory from every second I'm here on this earth. That's a really lofty thing to say out loud. It's a real lofty thing to even think about. That's what God, that's what Jesus is saying here, that, that, that our chief aim as, as a believer in Jesus Christ is that, that God may get the glory at whatever may happen. And so for us today, I want to wrestle with this thought of, of the glory of God must be the defining theme of our life. And we get the joy, y'all, we get to count it joy, joy to make his glory known. We get the joy to make known who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. That's not a burden. That is something we should celebrate. We should proclaim because of what he's transformed and done in our life. And so I thought that as we began today, uh, the words, the word glory is one of those words that we kind of maybe say in church every now and then. I see what it is. This is in my pocket. I see. There we go. There we go. That should be a little better. We'll let it hang out. And maybe not. 
This is what happens when you let the youth pastor preach. I mean, gosh, can't do anything, right? Um, no, so glory, what is the word glory? We say words like glory, hallelujah, holiness. We say all these words, but sometimes it's good for us to stop and say, hold up, what does this word mean? Why, like, why is this word here? Well, the word glory um, has just kind of three kind of definitions that all kind of blend in together. A high renown or honor, magnificence or great beauty. And I love this, the verb of glory is to take great pride and pleasure in. When we think about the gloriousness of our Heavenly Father, like He is full of renown and honor. He is great. He is magnificent. He is beautiful. He is, He's the reason why in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah had to fall to his knees and, and worship, and the angels were around there worshiping this magnificent, holy, and glorious God. Glory isn't something that we necessarily have. It's something that belongs to God. It's something that's his and his alone, and we are instruments to take that glory wherever we may go. We are to, to share and, and make known the renown and honor of Christ. We are to make known the magnificence and the beauty of Christ, and we as believers are to take joy in the beauty of knowing him. And so I would like to share three thoughts with us and just kind of what does, this, what does this mean for us as believers? How are we supposed to, to walk through this? And the first thing is this, is we exist to worship God's greatness, His glory. We exist to, to be able to experience and worship who He is. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, So what, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Oftentimes, when we think about worship, we think, of, of what happens here on the stage. And yes, that is worship, raising our hands, singing. But worship is so much more than a central act that takes place on a Sunday morning. After looking at 1 Corinthians here, we see worship is every aspect of life. How we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we do with our families, the things that we invest our time and energy and effort and our emotions in. Those are all different forms of worship. Worship is, it takes so much of a, a bigger stage than just being on a stage singing and proclaiming who he is. It's our lifestyle and the way that we live. A simple definition for worship that I love and my heart has grasped onto is this simple thought that worship is declaring worth. When we sing on a stage, when we decide to give our money, when we decide to volunteer time, when we decide to in, invest in the next generation, when we decide to invest in our kids, we're saying, hey, we're, we're saying, Jesus, you're worthy of this investment. And we are handing this over saying, God, do what you will, because this is my form of worship that I'm bringing you. We're declaring that, Jesus, you are worthy of everything. You are worthy of whatever I might be able to bring and give. And so our lives become a form of worship. The way that we sing and proclaim that God is worthy, but also the actions that we make day in and day out show what is, they show what is worth to our hearts. And hopefully we, with our lifestyle and with our action, we are declaring, Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. The second thing is, is we exist to, to take pride and pleasure in who Jesus is. This is something that, you know, personally for me growing up in church, I struggled with. I struggled with this idea that, that I get the joy and pleasure of, of knowing the king of the universe. I know the king of the universe and the one that holds all things together. 
to me at times, being a believer of Jesus Christ just meant checking off things in a list. And it wasn't until I reached my college age, the age that many of these kids that went to passion were, that I realized like there is a joy in knowing Christ because of what he's done in our heart. And it led Paul to say such extreme things that his ultimate goal in the book of Philippians was to know Jesus. It was to know him. And that was the driving force in his life, was to know Christ. Is that the same for us? Is, is our joy in knowing who Jesus is, is our joy, is the treasure of our heart knowing who Christ is? Mark has already mentioned this this morning, but in Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. My prayer for us as a people who claim to be Christ followers, would the treasure of our heart be Christ? Would the treasure of our heart be Christ? Because when that is, we will be about His glory. We will be about the things of Christ because our heart is Christ. Following Him is our heart, and that is where our treasure is, and we will abandon everything for the sake of the kingdom. Is knowing Christ the treasure of my heart? When we begin to wrestle with that, it's such a weighty thing to ask. such a weighty thing to even say as you begin to look at your life and the way that we spend our time and the way that we do things, like, is Christ the ultimate treasure of my life? It's easy to say yes, but living that out is, is much more difficult as we begin dealing with everyday life. But again, as Paul says in Philippians, to know Christ, that is his aim, that is his goal. We have the joy of getting to know the king of the universe the one that holds all things together. That's such a comfortable, comf- comforting thought to, to rest in. Because let's be real, as we're walking through life, it's not always perfect. Things don't always work out the way that we're expecting it to. You know, as we were singing the song, Do It Again, I can only imagine as the Israelites were walking around the walls of Jericho, expecting them to fall, like what was going through their mind and You know, many of us have our own walls that we're walking around in our life, and we are just waiting for God to move in a powerful way. And the only thing we can do is sit in a moment and say, God, my greatest joy is knowing you, and I'm going to trust and wait for these walls to fall in my life. When we find our joy in who Jesus is, when we find our joy in knowing him, God gains the most glory out of our life. Because We're not pointing and looking at ourselves saying that we were the ones that had done this and did that. But we're able to point to the God and be like, hey, this is the God who's worked these miracles in my life. We exist to find joy in knowing God. And when we do that, God gains the most glory. And then lastly, we exist to spread the renown of King Jesus. The the verb glory, when we we look at the the verb glory, it means to take great pride and pleasure in. We take great pride and pleasure in. We want to make known the glory of what Jesus has done in our own life. In Psalm 92, 1 through 2, it says this, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, Most High, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Psalm 62, or 67, 3 through 5 says this, Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for the joy, for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. So let the peoples praise you, God. 
let all the people praise you. When we find our joy in who Christ is, we cannot help but make renown the name of King Jesus. We can't help but make known who Jesus is because of how he's changed our life. Because we were formerly dead in our sins and now are made alive in who Christ is because of how he died on a cross and rose again for our sins. And all we had to do was put our faith in him. And because that he's radically changed our hearts, he's radically changed our minds and how we live. And he's the one worth living for, not ourselves. And so when the question comes, who gets the glory? Well, Jesus gets the glory with my life because my life is his. My life becomes his. It is no longer Matt's. It is no longer mine. It's his life so that the nations can rejoice. The people of the earth can rejoice in the faithful love of who King Jesus is. When we begin looking at our life, life's purpose is making Jesus' glory known. The question becomes, how am I making God's glory known in my own life? And do I know the glory of King Jesus? Do I, have I experienced this experiencing King Jesus' glory. This past week, we were challenged, our students were challenged with um, kind of this central theme of being arrows sent out for the sake of the kingdom. And you know, as a college student, like one of the biggest questions you'll face is, what am I going to do with my life? Some people might be still asking that question, and I think that's okay, no matter what age. Like, what am I going to do with my life? And this illustration was used of, of our lives simply being an arrow. Simply being an arrow burning with passion for the sake of the glory of God. Being willing to be able to be sent out wherever that may be. That might be across the street in our neighborhoods. That might be in a school where we attend. That might be in our workplace where we spend countless hours each week. That might be on a ball field uh, with our kids. That might be across the globe. Wherever that might be, are we willing to be an arrow sent out for the sake of the kingdom? Burning with passion for who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. The thing with an arrow is an arrow has no control really where it goes. The person who's pulling the bow back has all the control. And that becomes the tension for all of us. Are we going to let King Jesus be the one pulling back that arrow? Are we going to try and get in the way and pull it ourselves? Growing up, I, uh, my father and I, we, we did a lot of hunting. And uh, there was a time when um, we started trying some bow hunting. We quickly found out that wasn't my gift. Um, so my dad wouldn't let me take a bow into a tree stand. He was like, you're not good enough. You're not doing that. Wise decision. But the reason why, the reason why I wasn't a good shot with a bow was because as you draw back on a bow, you kind of got to, you got to pick your sight line and you got to pick your sight fast or else your arms will get tired. All right. Your arms will start shaking. You're sitting there like this, like, what am I going to do? And then you just fire and let go. When you pull back like that and you're, you're, you're trying to figure out exactly where you're going to go. You're trying to hit the mark perfectly on your, and your arms get tired and you would miss. And I missed a lot and lost lots of arrows and wasn't, wasn't good. And, uh, but here's the deal. So many of us are kind of like that. 
And as we go through life, we want to take control of the boat. And we're trying to perfectly hit the mark with our lives. We're trying to perfectly hit the mark and we're trying to be the ones firing the bow where we're supposed to go. When really, we're just supposed to be an arrow for the sake of the kingdom. And as we try for perfection, as we try to, to, to do the perfect thing, really all God is saying is, saying, hey, let me fire away. I've just asked you to be the arrow in this moment. Why? So as in Matthew 5, 16, says that, that God may gain the glory in our life. So that God may gain the glory. And so the question as we go into 2018 is who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? If we commit to being an arrow for God's kingdom, we're a complete trust of where he aims us. Again, it could be right here in Mandarin. It could be right across the street. But where are we being willing to be sent where are we being willing to be sent to make glory, make known the glory of King Jesus? I think as, as a church, as we begin to wrestle with some of these things, it begins to shape how we decide to live 2018. It begins to shape how we live the rest of our lives, in all honesty, but will I be an arrow sent out for God's kingdom? I'd like to, to close with just kind of three questions for us to ponder and think about and chew on as we you know, think of goals and think of aspirations and think of what we want this year to look like as individuals and as a church. The first one is this. Is my lifestyle a lifestyle of worship? Like if I want God's glory to be known among all the nations, including here in Mandarin, St. John's, and Duval County, I want his glory to be made known. Is my lifestyle a lifestyle of worship? Do I look at every thought and action and thing that I do as a moment to say, Jesus, you're worth it. You're worth following after. The second question that I would like to, to just throw out here, if you're writing these down, I would encourage you to, to jot these down. Am I finding my, my joy in life in knowing Christ and him alone? What is my greatest source of joy? As believers in Jesus Christ, our joy should be found in, in Jesus and knowing who He is. And that should dictate the rest of our life. And that should fuel our lifestyle of worship. And then lastly, am I willing to be an arrow sent out for His glory? And that's a tough thing to ask. That's a tough thing to say, yes, Lord, I am willing to be sent wherever Wherever you might call, wherever you might fire away, because when I'm an arrow resting there, like I have no control where that might be. That's a bold prayer for us to pray as individuals, as a church, to say, God, wherever you shoot that arrow, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be, be obedient, and I'm going to have my joy in you, and I'm going to live a lifestyle of worship following after you. Why? Because it is about your glory, not mine. And so when the question's asked, is, is my life about my glory? No, King Jesus, it's about yours. May we be a church that is about King Jesus' glory and not ourselves. As we celebrate what he's done, we are looking expectantly at what he's going to do in the coming year. Why? Because we're not about us. We're about his glory and what he's going to do. So I'm going to ask our band to, to, to come up here and uh, play a song. And what, what we typically do at the end of our services is, is have a moment of response where you can come and pray, have a pastor pray with you, or just simply get on your knees and, 
and just spend some time with, with the Lord. I would encourage you in this time to, to be really pondering these questions. Ask these questions. Is my life a lifestyle of worship? Am I finding my joy in knowing Christ? Am I willing to be sent as an arrow for the sake of the kingdom? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this church. And God, I thank you for how you have been at work over this past year. And God, I pray that you would just blow our minds, our wildest dreams with how you want to make your glory known in this place. God, I pray that you would use the people in this room to be sent out as arrows into this community and that your name would receive much glory because we were finding our joy in you. We were living our lives as a life of worship because you are worth it, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.